Alleluia, alleluia. I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great possibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here, it is back. His master said to him in reply, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter. Should you not then have put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. We're delighted to have Father Mike Reed with us today, our concelebrant, who over the years has been a very good friend of the shrine. 
In our scriptures today, we have on the one hand a very familiar story, but as familiar as this parable that Jesus tells is to us, there's something persistently unsettling about it, something that cuts against the grain of contemporary man's attitude to belief and religion. We grow up in this era where the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago, and we've heard about how great the love of God is for us. And from time to time, this attitude settles in the human heart that heaven is ours by right. And that it doesn't matter how I live, as long as I'm basically okay, because God loves me so much, he'll overlook everything. And then we have a parable like this, which says exactly the opposite. Note the image. The king has gone away, is going away on a journey. Just as the Lord left earth in his ascension. And as he ascended into heaven, what did he say to his disciples, his church? I send you. And I will give you power. I will entrust everything to you. The man goes away on his journey, he gathers his servants, and he trusts his wealth to them before he goes. Jesus doesn't ascend to heaven without also doing the same thing. He entrusts the wealth of salvation, the wealth of grace, to the church, his servants, who remain behind and must be about his service until the master returns. And when the master returns, he is going to call his servants into his presence so that they account for what they've done with what he's given them. And this is where we begin to get a little nervous because all of our language of Jesus is nice butts up against the other reality that Jesus calls us to account. That Jesus is our judge. That Jesus has expectations on his servants, which would be us. And so now, as we look at this incident, the master going away knows his servants. He knows what he can trust them with. He knows what they are capable of. And so he carefully divides his wealth among them. But he divides his wealth. He doesn't hold back. And so one is given a greater degree of trust, which comes with it, a heavier weight of responsibility. Another is given a lesser degree of trust, and therefore a lesser degree of responsibility. 
And then finally, there's the other. For whatever reason, not as capable, perhaps, more limited, perhaps, but he is gifted with a smaller quantity, but it is real. It is not insignificant. And with that trust also comes a degree of responsibility. But note how the master carefully proportions what he leaves behind according to the capacity of the servant so that he doesn't ask little of one who is capable of much. And he doesn't ask much of one who is capable of little. But he asks something of each and every one of them. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit has distributed his gifts upon the people of God, all of his wealth comes upon the church, but upon each of us in different degrees according to our capacity. And this is not so that we get puffed up or insecure, thinking, oh, I'm better than or I am less than somebody else because it's not about us. It is the Lord carefully giving us the gifts that are appropriate to our lives. This is what is lurking behind that statement that St. Paul says on more than one occasion in his letters to the believers. To each one. Notice he doesn't say to some. Notice he doesn't say to the lucky few. To each and every one has been given a gift of the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding of the body. This is an important theme in sacred scripture. The idea that every single one of us on the day of our baptism wasn't just given forgiveness wasn't just given the promise of eternal life. We were also given a gift, which is not for us, but for the church and for the world. But the only way the church or the world gets that gift is if we actually use it. And so here it is. The master, the king, trusts his servants with the wealth of the kingdom. This is not him saying, I'm giving you a couple bucks, do what you can with it. A talent actually was a considerable amount of money. And so this is real wealth. The one who got one talent received a considerable degree of wealth. It may not have been as much as the guy who got 10 or 5, but it was considerable. This is the next thing. When the Lord gives us the gift of his grace, it is never trivial. It may not seem as much as someone else has, but it comes from the hand of God, and that is always real wealth that is always a real gift, that is always a real capacity. 
And so there is real and truly significant responsibility given to all three. And the first two servants, they feel the weight of that trust, but they recognize that he is trusting them to care for what he gave them, which means they have to do something with it. The increase of that gift, the growth of that gift has been left in their hand. And so they must do something. And so we see two of the servants, they put that gift to use. And we see the third who doesn't. He receives the gift. He feels his, its weight. And his insecurity claims him. What if I make a mistake? What if I lose what has been given to me? I'm not as good as the others because I have less. And if we're honest, doesn't this sound like the excuses we often make to ourselves for why we don't try harder, why we don't do a little more? And so here, it's not that this third servant is a bad man, but he's frightened. And his insecurity seizes him and petrifies him. He's so afraid of making a mistake, he buries what he's been given. You know, and this is not, this is not just abstract metaphor here in which Jesus is talking, because this is a reality that we know all too well. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have been hurt by somebody? And hurt so bad that it's hard to trust. And what happens when we feel that history of disappointment, the fact that life has just been hard on us? We close up, don't we? We build that wall around our heart and no one's ever getting in again. What if I get hurt? What if I get disappointed? How many of us have had the experience of making a mistake in the past and perhaps we were laughed at, perhaps we were embarrassed? Why would I take a risk and that might happen again? And you notice that it's that word might that kills us. Something might happen. And because it might happen, I don't move. Notice we never say, maybe it won't. Notice we don't say, well, maybe it will work. We don't say, maybe I can, I can trust somebody at least a little bit. No, it's the master is demanding and he expects results. And I'm afraid of getting it wrong, so I won't... I know what I'll do. I won't lose anything. And so I'll bury it. And why does he bury it? To keep it safe. Don't we do that with all kinds of aspects of our lives? We bury them. 
so that they're safe. One day I'll move, one day I'll do more, one day I'll stretch myself, but not right now. The saint whose memory we celebrate today, great, a great Augustine, very famously, as he was wrestling with whether or not to change his life, he knew he should, he couldn't pull the trigger, he got on his knees, he turned toward heaven, he said, change me, Lord, claim me, Lord, convert me, Lord, tomorrow. Because I'm just not ready to move. This is something the human heart, the Christian heart, has struggled with through the centuries. What if I get it wrong? I'm just not ready. What if I try and I fail? And so we, without realizing it, we make the timid move the frightened move, the safe move. You see, we've been struggling with the question of lockdowns for 2,000 years. COVID just made it physically apparent. But before COVID ever was a thing, all too many of the hearts of the faithful were on lockdown. All too many of the hearts of the faithful huddled behind walls of insecurity and mistrust. All too many of the hearts of the faithful became angry within those walls, but didn't do a thing to open the door and leave them. And so beneath our insecurity, we bury our goodness. Beneath our anxiety, we bury our generosity. Beneath our memory of old wounds, we bury our ability to trust and to love. And then we flatter ourselves and we lie to ourselves saying, I'm doing okay, I'm not doing anything bad. Neither did the guy with the one until he realized he was doing something bad all along because the bad play was burying the treasure he was trusted with. And he found out just how bad a play that was when the master came and said, what did you do with what I gave you? And the answer is nothing, I buried it. And so it didn't even grow. He didn't even do the minimum of putting it in the bank and letting somebody who knows to invest it better do that. He simply didn't move. Let's not fool ourselves. Jesus Christ wants to see hearts that have put those gifts to work. Jesus Christ wants to see a heart that is willing to move and do something with the grace that he has given it. Because he spilled every drop of his blood to give us that grace. And he trusts his church, his people, with everything. And the individual believer can't simply say, well, the church will do it. The church should do X, Y, and Z. Man, we hear that a lot. 
what the bishop should do, what the priest should do, what the church should do. The church is not somebody else. The church is you, and the church is me. And there's a lot that we need to do because we've been given so very much. But we buy into the lies of the world which say you've got nothing. We buy into the doubt-filled questions of the world that say, what are you going to do? What can you do? Everything's bigger than you. That's what the guy with the one was thinking. That's what he listened to. The other two guys said, I can at least do something. And I don't need to fix the problems of the world, but I need to work with what I've been given. And that I can do. And maybe I'll lose some of what I was given. But it won't be because I didn't try. As sobering and as chilling as the end of this parable is, with that one man being cast out, losing even what he was given, the real positive message here is the great degree of trust that the master has in his servants. And that he often sees more in us than we see in ourselves. If all I do is believe that I know myself better than anybody, I'm not going to move. I'm going to be the guy with the one. But if that guy with the one said, the only reason the master gave this to me is because I can, he'd see himself differently. The world is going to spend all of its time telling you you can't. It'll tell you you can for everything that's not healthy for you. But it won't tell you you can for anything that's any good about you. The master trusts his treasure to his servants because his servants can. And he wants them to know that. Jesus could have just waved his hand and changed the world in an instant, but he didn't. He left his church behind to keep bringing his love to the world because aided by his grace, we can do that. No one of us has to do it all, but every one of us can do something. And how marvelous is it? The master is going to be here. And it may be that we're sitting here thinking, and I did nothing with what you gave me this last week. But he's here. And he's going to give us himself. And as he gives us himself, he's going to tell us today, take another try. Take another try because here's the treasure. Here's the wealth. And I trust it to you. There will come that day when we don't get another try. This parable reminds us of that. Sooner or later, the day comes when the opportunity to try is over. But it's not that day today. And how beautiful is that? That today, whatever we're capable of today,
he trusts us with so that we can go forward and just do even a little something. What a great, great mystery this is. So let us receive him, not with insecurity, not with fear, not with the doubt of worldly lack of faith. Let us realize we stretch out our hands because we're about to be given a treasure. And he trusts us with this treasure because he sees more in us than we do in ourselves. And let us learn to see ourselves with those eyes. And if Christians around the world, if Catholics around the world could do that, it wouldn't take long for this world to become a very, very different place. Amen.